Welcome. You are listening to a sermon preached at Church at the Armory. If you like what you hear, share it. God bless you. All right, I'm going to continue in our sermon series on the armor of God. We have dealt with the belt of truth. We have put on that breastplate of righteousness. We have prepared our feet with the shoes of the gospel peace. We have taken up the shield of faith. And today we are going to put on, take up the helmet of salvation. I've got a lot to say about this. Some of it is a little bit soapbox territory for me where I'm just like, uh, I need to get some things off my chest. Not really, but, uh, but salvation is huge. And if I was to open up the floor and say, define salvation, if the first thing that comes out of your mouth is, I don't go to hell, that disappoints me. If your primary definition of salvation is, I don't go to hell, how cheap have we made the sacrifice of Christ that all that was so that we simply just don't go to hell? The God, Old Testament, the God of salvation, who was the God who provided salvation not for eternity only, but also for our day-to-day lives. Are y'all with me? So, oh, hey, Siri. Anyway, uh, so let's take the helmet of salvation, and next week we'll do the sword of the Spirit. Now, again, I want to remind you, you have put on three things, And now you're taking up three things. You as the soldier, when you woke up this morning, the first thing you did is you put on the belt of truth. And you're going to wear that belt of truth. It'll be the last thing you take off when you go to bed tonight. That makes sense? As an armoring up uh, uh, process, you put on the belt of truth and you just keep it on. The second thing you're going to put on if you're a soldier is you're going to put on that breastplate of righteousness. And you keep it on. It stays on until you're ready to retire for the evening. The third thing is you're going to put on your shoes, the gospel of peace. And now you're dressed, right? Now you're dressed. You've tied up your cloak. You've girded your loins. You put on your chest protection. You put on your shoes. And as a soldier, those things are on. They are put on and they are not taken off. You don't take a break and take off your breastplate. You don't take a break and take off your shoes and let your feet air out. These things are, are, they're put on. And then as you go actively into the battle, right? As you go actively into the battle, does it sound weird all of a sudden? My, my voice got real high. As you go actively, probably my hearing aids. As you go actively into the battle, you've got to grab some things. You have to, you put on these things. You, you don't, you don't, if, if the battle call cries, you don't go, wait, 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 i got to put on some truth real fast. This is why it's important for us to teach our children truth at an early age because the world will teach them a lie. Media is teaching our children a lie, and if you're not offset, if you're not, not offsetting, if you're not founding first truth, the world will teach them a lie. You can't define anything anymore. Define for me what race and gender is in this country. You can't define anything anymore. The media will define it. 
the world, the Antichrist spirit will define it. If you haven't defined it for your children, it's too late when they're 15 to start telling them what truth is. Probably a good idea to, bring, to get them in Miss Carolyn's Sunday school class and do it at home too, amen? Okay, so you have to define truth. And if you're late to getting the truth, that the battle cry sounds. If war comes to your household, it's too late to be, where did I put that belt of truth at? Does that make sense? You got to have your you got to have your shoes on. You got to be ready to go. Got to have that chest covered, the vital organs in the righteousness of Christ, the righteousness of God, okay? But then when the battle cry happens, when you are everything's put on but the battle cry happens and you got this they, they they sound the alarm to ready yourself for war, you grab your shield. On your belt, you have your sword and you grab your helmet. That makes sense? On your belt, you have your sheath, the sword's in it, you grab your shield, you grab your helmet, you run to the line, you put your helmet on. This is why I say to you, in this context, I don't believe he's talking about saving faith, salvation here. The concept of being saved. I'm going to give some different opinions about what I think salvation is today in the the context of take the helmet of salvation. A, if you're enlisted in the army, you're already saved. Let me just expose a lie here. Not everybody's one of God's children. Hence the need to be born again. Is y'all out there this morning? The, it, it, is a, it is an antichrist spirit that we all coexist as God's children. All races, all religion, uh, all, everything just coexists as God's children. No, no, no. You're God's child when you, when you are born again into the kingdom of God. Okay? And this idea that everybody is a child of God is not the truth. You're a child of God when you get born again. But here's the thing. The helmet of salvation, I don't, this, this is not saving, this is not salvation as of being saved. The fact that you're in the army is the means you're saved. So what is salvation here? In other words, the thing you pick up is not, well, now that I put on truth and I put on righteousness and I put, and I put on the gospel of peace and I put on uh, the steward of faith, I should probably get saved now to cover my thoughts, which is the way we hear this preached all the time. That makes no sense. The fact that you're a soldier means you're in the right army. So salvation here means something different than I was lost, but now I'm saved. I was going to hell, but now I'm going to heaven. Are y'all following me? Salvation here is is a lot like the shoes of, of, of the gospel of peace. Salvation, the helmet of salvation, is the purpose of the soldier. Let me explain it. In the, uh, in the Roman times, most scholars believe Paul is writing this, this, um, this analogy of the soldier being modeled after a Roman soldier because he was around Roman soldiers uh, pretty much exclusively at this point in his life in captivity. And so the Roman soldier's helmet, uh, let's be funny for a second. The Roman soldier's helmet. 
You didn't want to wear this thing around all day. That's why you put it on. That's why, that's why you take it up. In other words, it's why when you first wake up, you don't just put it on and it stays with like the belt. and the, Because this thing was heavy. This thing was made out of metal. This thing would hurt your neck if you wore it all day. The other kind of misnomer is that this is a, a vital piece of... Uh, I dropped my helmet. Hang on a second. This is a vital piece of defense. I really don't, I really don't think that's um, the case. Let me give you an example. If you have a metal helmet on and you're in hand-to-hand combat and a guy's got a 20-pound sword, he's swinging at your head. Do you really think that, well, the, the, the sword didn't penetrate through the metal but do you not think it might still probably breaks your neck and kills you with a guy? A grown man is swing. I mean, who wants to put this on? A, a metal helmet. Put it on and let me hit you upside the head with, um, with the baseball bat. Would it crush your skull? Maybe not. Would it probably still knock you out and make you quit the, the, the battle that day? So really... I don't think this, the, the helmet is necessarily there for overall protection. That's why you have a shield. The helmet was primarily an identifier of the soldier. Y'all say, oh my, oh me, say something. As a matter of fact, they would put these crests, like this little mohawk, on the Roman soldier's helmet and you could tell who the Roman soldiers were and who the enemy soldiers were. This was an identification piece, more than a protection piece. You didn't want to get hit in the head, period. It was going to pretty much end your day if you got smacked in the head with a, a, a sword, whether you're wearing your helmet or not. Well, you may not die immediately. You know, you see what I'm saying? So it was an identification piece, it was a symbol. What was the symbol? What was on the head of the soldier the symbol of the war they were fighting? It was that this war, the symbol for the believer, is that we are fighting a war for the salvation of wherever we go. Does that make sense? I know I look goofy with this, don't I? Missy, do I look goofy? Yeah, look normal. Yeah. So here's the thing. I don't take the helmet of salvation, you know, everything we're trying to make in some kind of defense uh, mechanism. I don't think the helmet's as much of a defense mechanism as an, as an identity mechanism of who the soldier and what the purpose of the war is. Does that make sense what I'm saying to you? The soldier's purpose, the, what, let's talk about the soldier inside the context of an army. And what are they doing? What's this army fighting for? What's the Christian soldier and this army? What are we fighting for? The gospel, which produces salvation. Not just the idea of not going to hell and going to heaven, but the gospel that brings the salvation of our God, that it brings in his kingdom and his rule. Does that make sense? And so here's my, here's my point. Here's my point. If we're going to associate, look at me, if we're going to associate the helmet with our thoughts, which is what most people preach this as, right? Put on the helmet because, you know, you got to protect your mind and your thoughts because all, all those fiery darts are coming at your mind. But they're not really coming at your mind per se. The, 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 he's already told us what the fiery darts are coming at our, 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 our whole torso. We'll get behind faith. 
Now, you can't be saved without faith, but you really, to fight off the enemy's thoughts that are bombarding you, you get behind faith, not salvation. How many, raise your hand if you're saved. Raise your hand if you still battle thoughts. Salvation doesn't take them away. Faith battles the thoughts. Salvation is a purpose of the soldier. The reason we're fighting this war is to bring God's salvation into the battle. To conquer for the sake of his salvation coming to whatever we're fighting. What enemies are we fighting? Well, he tells us earlier in the passage, powers, principalities, uh, uh, forces of darkness in this present age, right? So it is to take where the rule of the darkness is and to drive it out to bring God's salvation there. What most people are doing right now uh, not most people. What some people are doing right now is we're, biting, we're, we're, we're battling in our own mind some thoughts or whatever. And this is where I go back to um, this is where I go back to the gospel of peace. I mean, let, me, let, me, let me just say a couple of things right here. If you're in this place today and you are battling the thoughts of if you're saved or not, A, I don't think very many people do this. B, Really unpopular pastoral opinion here. It is not my job to convince you you're saved. If you're here battling the question, am I saved or not? It's not Chester's job to convince you that you are saved. Whose job is it to convince you you're saved? Holy Spirit. He's the one who draws me in unto. Everybody say the word out loud. Salvation, himself. The Holy Spirit draws us to salvation. The Holy Spirit draws us to himself. If if you're not convinced by the Spirit you're born again, two or three things may be happening. One, you're under some bad theology that needs corrected, right? And the bad theology may be that you stub your stove, say a cuss word, you're going to hell. That's not how it works. Somebody say amen. How many are thankful on Thanksgiving that you don't go to hell every time you sin? All right, okay, good. All right, I grew up that way. That's not how it works, all right? You, uh, the security of God is that he will hang on to you. Amen. He has mercy. He has grace, okay? The second thing, though, is if there's something in your life, a sin, a struggle, an addiction, there's something in your life that is so hounding you that you feel like you're having a hard time even feeling security in your own salvation, here's the first thing you need to do. You need to stop doing that. Conviction is a good thing. Somebody say amen. (laughs) Conviction is a good thing. Conviction is not bad. If, you're, if the Holy Spirit keeps convicting you of something and you, and you won't stop it and you're going, man, I'm probably not even saved anymore. Well, before we start fixing your theology, let's actually fix your conduct and say, well, stop doing the thing that's producing the space between you and God. Okay? And then, and then let's, let's, let's re, re, uh, re-examine the idea of what you believe about God and salvation. I've had people come to me and say... Um, I don't, I'm not sure if I'm saved. Can you help me with that? Wanting me basically to convince them that they are saved. I won't do it. It's not my job. I'm just going to be real polite and say it's not yours either. I also want to bring salvation in this context. 
we pretty much define salvation as that thing that happens when you pray a prayer. It's so sad. Salvation is way bigger than that. Salvation, as a matter of fact, there's no such thing as a, uh, a prayer of salvation. There, uh, excuse me. There's no such thing as an uh, unbeliever praying a prayer and being, quote, unquote, saved. But there is a baptism, which we don't really take seriously anymore. But baptism is the idea of the confession of faith that I got baptized and I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus, come out of the, come out of the grave and all that kind of stuff. That's our confession of faith. Here's what I want to say about salvation. Salvation is is not like the one thing you do at the beginning of your walk with God, you just check the box and then you just move on to the next step. Does that make sense? Salvation is a journey you begin. That you're as saved at the beginning as you'll ever be, but you are in the process of being saved. There is this thing called final salvation. In other words, let me read, let's read the scripture. Give me the first Thessalonians scripture. Let's read this together. Now, as to the times and the epochs, the, the days, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you. Let me read it on my computer so I ain't going to turn around. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord, everybody say the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is a final day when salvation ultimately comes. It's not just I get to go to heaven that's not the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is when King Jesus comes and brings his kingdom on the earth and everything we want, everything we ever hope for is established in his throne and his glory. Ultimate salvation means the day of the Lord comes, abortion stops, hate stops, Racism stops, sickness and disease and murder. All these things that we hate, all these things are finally defeated as God has brought his ultimate salvation. It's so much bigger than I just get to go to heaven. Does that make sense? So we're longing for the day of the Lord. Does that make sense? So for yourself, know that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. While, our, uh, while they are saying peace and safety, then sudden destruction will come upon them like labor pains upon a pregnant woman. They will not escape, but you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that the day would overtake you like a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. Somebody say amen. We are not of the night. This is why it's hard for me, for somebody who's saying, man, I, I, I'm not sure if I'm really, really saved. I got this, I got this thing in my life. And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to convince you you're not saved as much as I'm not trying to convince you you are saved. I'm trying to say you're not a child of the darkness, you're a child of the light. And that should be reflected, pardon the pun, in your, in your life. So we're sons of the day, we're not nor of darkness, so then let, let's not sleep as others do, but let's be alert and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at the night, and those who are drunk, get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let's be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Again, we view salvation as this one thing that happens, and it's just, it happens, it's done, it's over, we just move on to the next thing. No, no, salvation is, is the beginning of the journey. You don't go, I had a baby. Well, that's over with. Let's move on to the next thing. 
No, you have a baby and then uh, hold up, hold up, do the Simba pose real fast. There you go, Jay. Do the Simba pose. You, they didn't just have a baby. Everybody goes, ah. Yeah, they didn't have a baby and go, okay, well, now what next? Right? They had a baby and then they committed their lives to the raising of this child into maturity. That makes sense? Salvation is the same way. You're born again, and then the whole goal is to, be, is to grow up in the mature man of Christ. And so salvation is not just this one thing that happens and we check the box and we, we made our little, we did our little prayer, we filled out the pastor's card, and now we're good to go. Salvation should actually, everybody look at me, change your life and should mark you. And should mark you of who you are and what side you fight for. Does that make sense? And now it gives you a purpose. Not just to hopefully make it to the end. But now you actually have been enlisted in the army of God. And it is your purpose to put on the helmet of salvation. And to think like this. Man, I hope I make it to the end. No, no, no. To think like this, I now have a purpose and am used by God to be a soldier in his army to produce the kingdom of God and his salvation wherever I go. It's like what I talked about with peace. There's many people who are trying to just maintain or get some peace in their life, and that's okay and that's good, but the real flip of the switch... The real sign of maturity is when I go from a place of just always needing to be at peace to where now I am making peace wherever I go. I've become a peacemaker. The same is true with salvation. It's not that I just need salvation and act like I'm saved and pretend like I'm saved until I finally make it to the end. No, no. Now I'm so born again, transformed by the salvation of God in my life, that now it is the purpose to carry out his salvation to wherever he has sent me. Does that make sense? So, let's go back, let's read this. As a helmet, the hope of salvation, for God has not destined us for wrath. Hell wasn't made for you. Wrath wasn't made for you. Wrath and hell was made for the person who rejects Christ. That's not you. Somebody say amen. amen. For God is not destined for wrath, but for obtaining. God purposed inside of you to obtain his salvation. And not only obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, but he uh he wants to make you into an instrument, a soldier, if you will, that is part of the army that takes his salvation to wherever you are. So here's what it looks like ultimately. I break this down. I'm going to read one more scripture. You're sitting in El Dorado, Arkansas today. Our war is right outside those doors. Are y'all with me? Your neighborhood, your family, your city, your county, your state, your nation, but let's not just get too big and because it gets impersonal when we think about the United States of America. Let's talk about your neighborhood. Let's talk about your city where God planted you. This is what, this is what you are. You're a soldier, and it's your job. Look at me, look at me, to identify yourself. 
as a warrior of salvation to put on your helmet and to fight with him. I look like such a dork, don't I? To fight with him. I'm trying to be serious. Right? To fight with him to produce salvation in this city. Look at me. The difference is I'm, I need you to stop wondering if you're always saved. I don't think many people in the room actually do that. But I need us to stop battling our, this thing with God as if, was I, he didn't destine us for wrath. He actually destined us to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. And stop having this war within ourselves of am I good enough? Can I do this? Am I this? Am I that? And start understanding you're a soldier in the army of God who's been given a helmet of salvation because that's your mark, that's your calling, that's your purpose. It's the war, it's the reason the war exists is to take God's salvation into the city as soldiers. Does that make sense? Here's the thing that we think about the least. And I'm just, I believe this. I believe this, that we think about this the least. How often, everybody listen to me, how often do you think of yourself as an agent of God to bring salvation into your surroundings? Your workplace, your family, your friends, your influence. How often are you thinking that God has put on you a mindset, a helmet, that we're looking to be protected in our thoughts when actually that's not even the point. Can you imagine let me just play this out. Everybody go movie mode with me. Pretend I'm pretend this is really cool looking. You wake up that morning, soldier. Put on your belt. You tie up that that you tie up that thing, you put on your belt. You're now mobile. You remember that sermon? You strap on your you, you, you put on your breastplate, your, your buddy, he, he cinches it tight in the back and he straps on that breastplate. You grab your boots, you sit down, you lace them up, you tie them on. You go over to the hill, and on the other, just on the other side, the crest of that hill, that's where a battle will be fought today. But right now, you're in a staging area. You hear an alarm, you hear the sound of a horn, and you know that means it's time to gather in battle array. You grab. You, you, you make sure your sword's in your sheath, hanging off the belt of truth. You grab that shield and you grab your helmet. You walk out. Look at me. Look at me. You walk out to the front lines. Are you telling me that in that moment, I mean, anybody ever watched that movie Braveheart? It's like, right? You put on that helmet. If I don't see the soldier in God's army putting on my helmet going, man, I just hope I don't get hit in the head today. You see what I'm saying? I just hope that I don't get... Actually, I think you, I mean, they're clanging their swords next to their shields. You grab that helmet, you put it on your head, and you go, let's go produce some salvation of God. It's a mindset. That's why it goes on your head. It's a mindset about who you are and what your purpose is. You are this warrior with salvation on your head. And the mindset is to go into my world and produce salvation. I'm not talking about you dying for somebody. That's so not what we're talking about. I'm talking about this, Isaiah. Let's read this one more time. 
Isaiah. Therefore, justice is far from us. Everybody say, Elder to Arkansas, wherever you're from, wherever you live, your family, whatever it is. Therefore, justice is far from us. Righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light. I just read to you Paul's word, we're children of the light. We hope for light, but behold, there's darkness. For brightness, yet we walk in gloom. Am I describing anybody's world right now? We grope along the wall like blind men. We grope like those who have no eyes. We stumble at midday in the twilight. Among those who are vigorous, we are like dead men. How many, how many of y'all identify with this passage of Scripture? But, but among those who are vigorous, we, 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 just, we, we stumble like dead men. All of us growl like bears. We moan sadly like doves. We hope for justice, but there is none for salvation, but it's far from us. Our transgressions are multiplied before you. Our sins testify against us. Our transgressions are with us, and we know our iniquities. Transgressing and denying the Lord, turning away from our God, seeking oppression and revolt, convincing in and uttering from the heart lying words, which is why you got to have truth. This is the condition of Israel. This is the condition of where we live. Let's try this amen word. This is a condition of where we live. When you can't figure out what a man and a woman is, this is the condition where we live. If you can't figure out who you're supposed to be attracted to, this is the condition where we live. When you hate people because of the color of their skin, this is the condition where we live. Are y'all with me? Verse 14, justice is turned back, righteousness stands far away, truth is stumbled in the street, and uprightness cannot enter. Yes, truth is lacking, and he who turns aside from evil makes himself a prey. In other words, it's so bad, look at me, it's so bad that if you actually tried to turn away from evil to do something righteous and good, you become a target. Hello. You become a target. This is the world they lived in. This is the world we live in right now. Now the Lord saw, and it was displeasing in his sight that there was no justice. And I promise you, these next two verses, Paul is thinking about when he pens the words in Ephesians chapter 6. Who is the man that will armor up and become a source of salvation. Who is the man? He saw that there was no man. It was astonished and there was no one to intercede. His own arm brought salvation to him and his righteousness upheld him. Verse 17, he put on righteousness like a breastplate, the helmet of salvation on his head. These things are not, this is not the description of a man who's trying to protect himself. This is a description of a man who's armoring up to take salvation where there is none. And one of the signs is he takes up righteousness in his chest and he puts his helmet on and he goes, let's go do some work. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in the zeals of mantle. We all know this to be who? Jesus. 
Let me ask you this question right now. Who is the body of Christ on the earth right now? The church. We are. There's a reason he's telling us, the body of Christ, to armor up. Because we have a job to do. Look at me. I say this. This is 100% for our church. We have got to shift from being the people seeking, needing peace and salvation and comfort and all those kinds of stuff to going the pe- to be the people who are providing it. This isn't an idea. Paul doesn't tell this soldier to put salvation on his head because he's going to hell. That doesn't make any sense here. He tells him to put salvation on his head because that's his duty and his job as a soldier to go fight the fight that would produce salvation and bring the gospel of peace wherever he goes. So this is what I say to you. Soldier, put on your helmet of salvation. doesn't mean think saved and stop thinking bad things and think good things. That's not what we're talking about here. This means put on a mindset that wherever you go, you're bringing God's kingdom with you. That wherever you go, whatever you do, you are fighting the fight to see his salvation come there. Does that make sense? That's our job as a church. That's our job as this company of soldiers. And every, every soldier inside, the, it's our job. To go up to the battle line, faith in hand, helmet in the other, let's go. I almost knocked my hearing aid out. You understand what I'm saying to you? Here's, here's, the, here's the words that we don't want spoken over this church. Listen. Verse 16. God looked down. Verse 16, God looked down and saw that there was no man. God looked down and was astonished. He's not just like, bummer. What? Everything I've done for these people, all my spirit that had poured out upon them, I am dumbfounded, astonished that there is not intercession to bring salvation to this city. Intercession is not a moment of prayer. Intercession is a lifestyle of standing in the gap between heaven and hell. Of taking the kingdom of God and bringing it right here to the right where I live, right in my house, in my home, in my city, in my neighborhood, that I put on the mindset, the purpose, the identity. When someone sees me in this war, they look at my helmet and they go, I oh, know, okay, okay. Could you imagine back then the fear and the terror in the enemy's heart when they looked across that battlefield and saw a Roman soldier's helmet? Conquest, right? Conquest. When they saw that helmet, they knew why they were there, they knew what they were going to do, they knew how bad it was going to be. This should be the mark of the believer in the enemy's heart. That makes sense? So, put on your helmet of salvation. Next week, 
I mean, you got the blood is pumping through your veins. You got that shield. Right? You reach down, spit in the dirt, and wipe the mud on your face. I don't know why, but it just sounded like a cool thing to do at the moment. You got that shield. You snap on that helmet. You reach down there and grab that sword. Now it's time to go fight a fight with the word of God and the spirit of God that will produce salvation. And everywhere your feet go in that battle, the gospel of peace is coming with you. That's the church. That's the armory. That's the armory that we would be built up as soldiers to fight this fight, not just come and have good services, but to go out there with salvation on our head, salvation on our minds. Chester, what do you hope happens because of this sermon? I hope you have salvation on your mind wherever you go. Not yours. You are yours. If you're not, let's get that fixed. Okay? But if you are, this is not about, I, I think God's mad at me. You weren't designed for wrath. This salvation is not about you. This is about what you can do to provide it for somebody else. I don't know. Maybe there's this weird scripture like freely you have received, freely give. This is about the mindset of the church of God who has salvation on our head. She's got salvation on her mind. Not just about getting people to pray prayers, but literally changing people's lives by the saving power of God wherever we go. That's the church. If we can do this, if we can become that soldier, man, the sky's the limit. Does that make sense? So stand up on your feet. 11.22. How many of you will raise your hand are going to go to a China buffet? And how many are going to go home and eat leftovers? Nobody raises their hand. How many are fasting now? Okay, we're all fasting so we can put on the helmet of salvation. This is dumb. This looks ridiculous, but I hope this is what you see when you close your eyes and go to bed every night this week. <laughs> Helmet of salvation. Amen? God, hey, hey, this is, we said while I go verse 16, this is what we don't want. Uh, go back to verse 16 for me, brother. He saw that there was no man. He was astonished that there was no intercessor. The opposite of that is we want God to look down at the other right and go, I found a man. I found an intercessor. I found, and I'm not talking about an individual. I'm talking about a body, a church. I found a church who put salvation on her head and decided to fight the fight. I was pleased to see. Amen. So, Father God, I pray that you would uh, put responsibility right on our foreheads. Put responsibility right on our heads to carry salvation wherever we Fight the good fight. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, you have a wonderful day. God bless you.